0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of corporate communications at Steeple, joined as always by our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner. Hey, Brian. Neil, how are you? I'm good, and Brian, I thought maybe we could start off this week by talking about the presidential race because that's fun. that's sort of like a sport, and we've talked about it before well neil we're we're kind of in a in a holding pattern there. Dan. That's true because it seems like we are in a very prolonged general election campaign, which we could but, talk you know,
1: about. We're, we're you know we're kind of in you know we've got a couple of weeks in between uh the New Hampshire primary and the nevada uh, uh caucus, which is the next the next date um But yeah we can we can fill that void by talking about the general election and running mate stuff and congressional elections so there's
0: there's a lot to talk about here now i agree so let's do that so the first thing let's start with the state of the general election now you have said on previous podcasts that you believe it's going to be a trump biden rematch i think everyone has pretty much come to that same conclusion so I think everyone has come to the same conclusion except maybe for the nikki haley campaign people that it's probably going to be a biden trump rematch and you have said brian and correct me if i'm wrong that in a as of the last time we talked about this that a trump biden rematch um, would be a close race that favored trump slightly at that point do you still feel that's the case
1: i do you know as we sit here at the very end of january 2024 with the um, with the general election about nine months off, a little bit over nine months away, yes, Trump is the slight favorite. Um, let me let's spend a couple of minutes talking about why that may not be right, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know, Joe, how, how how does Joe Biden win the election? So he's got you know he, he has a couple of things working against him. Um, I'm just gonna focus on the economy because he's gotten really poor marks on the economy
0: there there and are, that is and by most polls or some of the more recent ones I saw say despite everything else the economy is ultimately the number one um yeah I, when people yeah, immigration and the border is really
1: up there it, yeah it may, have, it may have replaced in some polling replaced the economy but um let's put the border aside for a second let's put International aside for a second let's put Joe Biden's age aside for a second, just kind of focus on the economy because it, it has historically has been such a an important factor. So let's start with the fact that, you know, when an incumbent president avoids a recession in the last two years of his term, going to win re-election. I mean, one of the few exceptions to that was Harry Truman in 1948. And that recession in 1948 basically happened in the month of the election and it was too late for voters to respond to it you know yeah, and you, you and you you,
0: rem- you remember it i mean you, i do
1: i remember you know, it in my, i don't i was i was holding up the paper you know doing yeah. truman so um uh i was there for that um so so there um biden's approval numbers on the economy are quite weak but at the same time um the last couple of months consumer confidence data has been increasing now if that's an early indicator um it could be uh you know, we could see a, an improvement in biden's job approval numbers on the economy and with it his his re-election prospects um and for a, any democrat you know, you know people have heard about the blue wall in the past well that that that, that clearly has been breached um uh in recent elections by donald trump but at the same time, you do have to look at that wall and acknowledge that a democratic candidate really starts with 215 electoral votes in their back pocket. Right there, mm-hmm. I mean, between California, New York, Illinois, mm-hmm. the big states, the New England states, you, 215, um, and you're only look—they're only looking for 55 votes, electoral votes after that. So um, because they start with that event, that, that that block um to build off of and because Biden's numbers on the economy have been weak but there are signs that people are warming up about the economy and there are signs that Biden will probably avoid a recession between now and the election Um, even though I still think Trump is a slight favorite you know I I think when we look at different scenarios can biden win yes and here's a and this kind of uh, explains why i think he can win i'm not predicting that he will please don't shoot the messenger for some folks but um that's how i'm
0: looking at it yeah and i mean look we've got uh, to your point there's nine months ahead but the stock market is doing quite well Mm um the federal reserve has basically stopped raising interest rates and if anything they might be cutting interest rates slightly but to your point if they're cutting interest rates into a soft landing i would think all of those things would work to biden's advantage
1: you know it's pretty interesting since you mentioned the fed um because the last time uh, not the last time but a recent election reason for some folks 1992. yeah george hw bush is going for re-election There had been a recession, uh, a very shallow one and a very quick one, but there had been a recession. The economy really wasn't growing strongly, and the administration was trying to get the Fed to cut interest rates to help boost the economy. One of the um, senior members of the Bush Treasury Department who was making that pitch to the Fed to to cut rates back then was... Jay Powell. Yeah. So Greenspan
0: was, Greenspan was the chairman. Then. Greenspan was the
1: chairman, but Powell was at Treasury and uh-huh. he, was, he was lobbying on behalf of the administration. There were others as well, but he was lobbying on behalf of the administration for the Fed to cut rates. It, yeah. It's interesting how history comes full circle.
0: I feel like, yeah, I feel like I recall, you know, the Bush people sort of blaming the Fed for losing that election. Yes. Yep. I do remember that. I was young, but I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's where we are in the presidential race so you're still sticking sticking with trump is the slight favorite but you've yes. kind of set us up with a little bit of of a path yeah, that Biden mean, has to
1: there, there there is definitely a path for the incumbent to win and, sure. and I, I think you know we we need to look at those factors and explain to people why it can happen
0: for um, sure so yep all right so now the real fun starts and you threw it out there so let's play along and say that Trump does win a close election, but he is the president again. So that leads us to who the vice president might be. Um, Typically, the and I think we've talked about this a little bit before, too. Typically, a candidate would sort of select their his or her vice presidential running mate as we get close to the convention. And then that person would be kind of rolled out at a convention and it would be a big, you know, a, a, a big deal um we're gonna have a super prolonged general election campaign assuming trump wraps up the republican nomination you know within the next month so a does he name a running mate sooner and b regardless of when he does it regardless of timing do you have any ideas are uh, of likely vp slots for him
1: so on timing i i think he sticks to the historical norm um Uh, and and does it close to the convention because you build some buzz going into the convention Mm -hmm. otherwise the convention is going to be pretty yeah so um now events can always intervene maybe there's something going on with the prosecution you know and, and i'm just throwing out some hypotheticals um and he feels the need to um you know dominate the news cycle in a different way and maybe he thinks that then the timing is right at that point to, mm-hmm. to announce a, a, a running mate it's possible but I think it's probably right before the election uh, but right before the convention okay yeah so that's timing and then who um I think about a half dozen or people or so people on the list um depending on who you listen to but um uh you know I, I governor Christine Nome yeah uh, uh, from, uh, North, uh, South Dakota. Um, Elise Stefanik, congresswoman from upstate New York. Um, Nikki Haley's name has been thrown out there. Um, now I don't think it's going to be Nikki Haley, but her name is out there. Yeah. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, who endorsed, uh, Trump right before, uh, the New Hampshire primary. Um, Ben Carson's name seems to get out there from time to time. Uh, you know, former, yeah. Uh, hud secretary in trump's first uh administration and uh, noted neurosurgeon um he seems a little little low energy for trump though it, yeah it, I, I agree um but the name has been out there um yeah. rfk jr's name has I've been heard out that there. Uh, i've heard that too he's also been reported to be looking at the libertarian line um now uh, robert f kennedy's biggest challenge to running as a third party candidate is ballot access Mm. um he's having trouble getting his name on the ballot in a number of states and probably will be on if he were to go alone probably be on very few ballots um the libertarian party already has a slot in all 50 states so that 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 would be easy to to just Mm -hmm. put him there but again his name is out there and I'll, i'll just throw out one more what else his name her name doesn't get as much attention but I, I i think she's going to be in the mix is former democratic congresswoman tulsi gabbard mm-hmm. she's a fixture on fox news yes she sure uh, is. she's from that populist wing uh, of the republican party um and so yeah I, I i wouldn't be surprised if uh if her name doesn't come up at some point i told you i'm thinking a
0: dark horse candidate is megan kelly
1: Look, it's 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 Donald Trump. Trump, So I think we it, you know expect the unexpected.
0: And how crazy would that be, given the last election cycle? But uh, you know,
1: since since you mentioned a, a media person, Tucker uh, Tucker, Tucker Carlson's yeah. name. I, I don't. I, I'm
0: very skeptical. It would be Tucker Carlson. Um, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, I think we've talked about this. I mean, politics aside, just looking at the personalities, the personalities
1: well, clash. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, well, I think Trump you know would probably like somebody who could be a little bit of a pit bull which you know pence really wasn't at the same time i i think i have a hard uh, time uh, seeing trump picking somebody that um could overshadow him that that's exactly the the challenge with a Tucker carlson type
1: of yeah, yeah and, and megan kelly that's why i don't think it's it's yeah. a, a media person um but yeah it's um th- so they're, yeah like i said they're about a, a little a couple more than a half dozen um yeah. And I think he's going to keep us guessing because he, you know, it's it's good for the attention for the campaign to to keep people guessing and thinking about it.
0: Yeah. That's like why I'm the podcast co-host. I'll do a competent job, you know, little name recognition, but I would never o- overshadow the cheap Washington policy strategist, the real star of the podcast.
1: I like Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson. back. Exactly. exactly. All right. So, you know, half of
0: our audience, maybe more scratching their heads. I have no me. idea who that who? is. What, what are they talking about? Uh, exactly. All right. So um, we've talked about the president. We've talked about a potential vice president for Trump. Um, so now let's stick with sort of our bodies of government and talk about Congress. Um, anything that we need to keep an eye on out of the House or Senate this week?
1: So I'll do the the Well, uh, Let me cover the elections for Congress, Um, because I I think um, it's important to figure out what what 25 looks like and how a new president will govern. The House is going to go, likely going to go with whoever wins the White House. Um, You know, it's a 50-50 House right now. It's a 50-50 country. I suspect that if Trump wins, he keeps a Republican House. If Biden wins, that the House could flip back to Democrats. The Senate's different um because the entire Senate does not run um and it just matters where the seats are uh Democrats are defending more seats 23 to Republicans 11. so Republicans have many more pickup opportunities and you look at where the seats are I mean they're going to be in very competitive uh states Arizona Michigan Montana Nevada Ohio Pennsylvania and West Virginia you could say West Virginia's already flipped with Mm. Joe Manchin retiring yeah um so um i suspect republicans will be able to pick up at least one more seat out of that group that i just read um probably get the senate um democrats really don't have any great pickup opportunities their their best pickup opportunity is texas where ted cruz is running for reelection and uh C- cruz is not overly popular in mm-hmm. texas even among republicans but with trump at the top of the ballot i, I suspect that that should help uh cruz fend off any challenge um so the senate probably uh flips republican and i say that regardless of who wins the election now if trump wins he he could bring another more another member along another yeah. uh, senate, uh, seat with him if biden wins maybe they hold it to just the mansion seat that uh, and then it would stay actually 50 50 and, and stay democratic but um i suspect not um so anyway that that's that's my take on on the congressional elections what's going on in Congress right now the big issue that I pay attention to is a corporate tax bill mm-hmm. um, which we have talked about in the past it it's uh it's relevant for pharma and and defense sector any any sector that has uh large r d budgets um this the legislation would uh, suspend some changes uh, in in the tax law um, and allow companies to expense R and D costs immediately, instead of deducting them over a five year period, it brings back some bonus depreciation rules. It, it loosens, um, the ability to, uh, deduct, um, net business expenses. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, it's a positive tax bill for corporations. Um, but it's been kind of caught up as you'd be surprised to hear this, but, uh, kind of DC politics, um, You have a group of blue state Republicans, California, New York, who are upset they have not gotten any relief from the cap on the SALT deduction, so they're holding out and threatening to vote uh, no against this corporate tax bill. Um, You have conservatives who just don't like the politics of what's going on in the House right now, and they think it's a combination of bad policy and bad governing and... This is the group that has voted against most of the spending bills and and other items that the Republican leadership has brought up. You also have some progressive Democrats um, who are uh, unhappy. They think the corporate side of the tax bill is too generous, while the, um, the individual side, which is an increase in the child tax credit, is... Uh, uh, isn't generous enough and that the, the bill leans too much towards corporations and less against uh, um, the child tax credit. So they may hold out. And all of a sudden you have an interesting coalition um, that could defeat this bill. Um, we thought we might get some clarity today. Republicans met earlier in the day uh, in the House to talk about kind of path the path forward. And I don't think there was any resolution. So that, that means they don't have the votes at this point to pass the bill. Um, now, those blue state Republicans, um, they tend to be more moderate. Moderates tend to fall in line over time. We'll see if that's the case this time. Um, they, th- This is a this is a local issue for them, so they may hold out um, and follow
0: through on their threats to vote against the bill. We'll see. You know, one other issue uh, so that we could talk about that obviously Congress will be watching, but also impacts the presidential race. We talked about the economy and immigration and border being big factors. But, you know, there's a lot of geopolitical concerns too. a lot of folks. When we talk about the markets, that's sort of a big unknown for this year. Politics as well. We have potential escalation in the Middle East, other hot hotspots. Um, what do you think about um, sort of international conflicts and how they may play into um, 2024?
1: Yeah, international tends not to. I think we overemphasize international. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be different. This this cycle could be different. I, I, I do think that it, um, it could have an impact. Um, you know, one, because Biden ran on, in 2020, he ran on kind of a return to normalcy, and there's a sense of chaos and not normalcy, at least internationally. And you see the the signs of escalation in the Middle East beyond Gaza it's now gone to Yemen and the Red Sea now it's into Jordan Iran always lurking in the background and the U.S. response to Iran over uh Yemen over the attack on the base uh on the Jordan-Syria border um and so if things escalate um you know years ago you would have said oh you know this helps Biden in a rally around the leader uh, type of narrative, I'm not. I don't think that works anymore, and so I, I think that could uh, that could hurt Biden. Not to mention, you know, we have talked before. Um, Arab Americans are not a huge voting block, but they're strategically placed, especially in mm-hmm. Michigan, Michigan, yeah. where there are 200,000 Arab American voters, and as a group, they are unhappy with the Biden administration's Middle East policy, and um, I could see them staying home, or even some of them flipping over to Trump on the view that, you know, in their words, in their view, you know, he never got us into a war. Um, And, you know, Biden seems to have us in their view. I'm I'm just not giving you my view. I'm I'm trying to portray how I think voters are thinking about this, um, that uh, the administration may have us on the verge of escalation
0: in the Middle East. And um, that's going to be a problem for him. Well, also, I mean, again, historically, I know that it's always history doesn't only matters until it gets rewritten or changed. But historically, the view has always been right that a, that the Republicans are better for the military and defense spending. So that would seem to be an edge to Trump. And the other thing is, we've seen Trump before, and he tends to be a little bit more of an isolationist.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so that, that that's a conversation for. A whole other podcast, Neil. Maybe our next podcast. Yeah. We'll start seeing that up now. Um, you you have this um, evolution in the Republican Party where the um, the isolationist wing they don't like the they don't like the moniker, but that's I'm going to stick what with what it you. is. Yeah. It, um, kind of the America First isolationist wing, um, um, plus budget hawks. Um, I don't think Republicans are as good for defense budgets as they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Combined with the fact that you have fiscal constraints, right? We, As we have talked about before, um, when you look at the totality of the federal budget, 70% and growing goes to entitlements, um, which are uh, Social Security and Medicare, plus interest on the debt. Um, the remaining 30% is cut pretty evenly between defense and non-defense. So defense spending is about 15% of total um government outlays and that that's going to continue to shrink as that entitlement portion that the larger part of the pie um grows. Uh so mm-hmm. um yeah. Yes, I I I think a Trump win could be positive for um defense and defense budgets. Um I'm just not is on board that it's as big as it has been in the past yeah
0: all right well brian i think that we've covered a lot of ground so thanks as always thank you neil it's good to be with you it was a great conversation today yes and of course i did not outshine you which is my role here as the podcast co-host much like the vp role for biden and trump yeah so thanks to everyone for listening and we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode of potomac perspective take care